Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. I'm going to move this stuff over here. I'm so excited to be able to share with you. You know, um, today what I'm going to be sharing with you about is something that the Lord's just really been teaching me. And I feel humbled that to even be sharing it. Um, uh, as, like I said, he's still teaching me. Um, but I felt like as I was praying um, this morning and and just asking him for help, um, he just reminded me that he's the teacher. And as he teaches me, I'm just here to be a mouthpiece and, um, and share to you what he's teaching me. And hopefully um, you walk away with even just one thing that... Um, maybe through something I said or just something completely different that the Lord spoke to you. So um, I want to start with Matthew 6, 28. Um, Matthew 6 is where, the, where he kind of goes through the Lord's Prayer. Um, but he comes down and he talks about worry and anxiety. But I want to focus on Matthew 6, 28. And I want you to just not even think about it from the standpoint of maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I'm not worried. I don't feel anxious. But I want you to ask yourself, am I toiling and spinning? And why should you be anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field and learn thoroughly how they grow. They neither toil or spin. I felt like as I was preparing for this that there are many of us that are toiling and spinning. I just kept getting a visual um, of just lilies, and instead of being planted, they were just up in the air spinning. And that's what happens when we try to abide, which is what I'm talking to you about today is abiding, but when we try to abide in anything other than Jesus, when we try to abide in the comforts of this world and the things of this world, when we try to abide in our bitterness no matter what it is, anything that's not, anything other than him, we will toll and we will spin. Because his word says that apart from him, we can do nothing. And I don't know about you, but I've found myself tolling and spinning a lot at times. But I want to share with you from the book of Ruth, the story of Ruth. But even as men, that there's something that you can learn from Ruth as well. But I'm going to just share, just kind of summarize over the book. Um, and I encourage you to go read it. It's only four chapters, but it's just got a lot of good stuff uh, that we can all learn. But due to a famine, a woman named Naomi, along with her husband and two sons, went to the land of Moab. There her two sons found and married two, Mo two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. Naomi's husband not only died, but roughly after 10 years, her two sons died as well. I can't even imagine what that was like. She decided to return to the land of Judah, which is where they left to begin with. So the famine, they left the land of Judah because of the famine, 
and now she's going to go back. She doesn't have a husband anymore. She doesn't have her sons. And she's telling her two daughter-in-laws, go back. Go back to your family. Go find someone to be married to. Go back. Orpah, her other daughter-in-law, left. And um, Ruth responded, saying that she was going to stay. Um, now, this wasn't, I want to clarify something. This wasn't like some two-hour two drive or anything. I'm not a huge fan of being in the car very long, um, more so when it's with all four of our children. <laughs> How many of you, I mean, can relate to that? Like, children change the whole trajectory of a road trip. I love them to pieces. But I'm going to be fully transparent. I am like a child with Gabriel. I'm like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> um but this wasn't a two-hour drive. This was a ten-and-a-half-hour walk. That's what they suspect. I don't know about you. I tell Gabriel, I've told him our entire marriage, babe, I will follow you wherever the Lord leads. But if he is leading him to a ten-and-a-half-hour walk, I don't know about that. Don't sign me up for no ten-and-a-half-hour walk. <laughs> so this is what Ruth's doing. And it does not make any sense. I mean, she has, she's free. Her, her husband's died. She has no ties to Naomi. But this is her response in Ruth 1.16. Ruth 1.16, but Ruth replied, Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. I would encourage you to... Ask yourself, if people look at you the way Ruth looked at Naomi, and they say, I want your God to be my God. I believe that Ruth saw something in Naomi. Something that she didn't have maybe exactly herself. I don't know what her relationship was like with the Lord. It doesn't really say. But she saw something in Naomi. that said, I want your God to be my God. Following Naomi to this land led her to work in a field of a man named Boaz. She eventually married him and became the great-grandmother of David, which plays a part in the lineage of Jesus, which is amazing. But all of that because one woman chose to abide. Abide physically. But we're going to talk about that word abide, and I don't think many times it doesn't mean just abiding physically, like staying put in a place. You know, when, when God had led us to come back, even though we kind of say we returned home, I grew up in Hugo, and so for, and we were both married and lived in Hugo for several years, but for us this was kind of like returning home, but at the same time we didn't really know anyone here. Um, so maybe sometimes God will call us to move physically, okay, so I'm not saying that, but there's something to this abiding. There's something power in abiding. But the Greek word for abide is manio. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's a Greek word meaning to stay, remain waiting, surviving, enduring, sojourning, and being present. Abide in the English dictionary means to live, dwell, and remain. And I'm just going to share with you a few scriptures that um, include this word. John 14, 16, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper, Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. Such a powerful thing when Jesus was about to leave and he said, I'm going to send Holy Spirit to come help you abide with you forever. 1 John 4, 12 through 16, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he 
in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So where do we abide? Where do we abide? Where do you find yourself abiding today? Because as I know that it says, okay, so whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. But I think that even though I believe I can choose to abide, I can choose to meditate, I can choose to live, to dwell in a different place. I, I'm one of those, I, I'm a, a people, I struggle with people pleasing by nature, so I can tend to make decisions and, and live my life based way too much on what, I, what people think. And that's not where he wants me to abide. He wants me to abide in his love, abide in who he is, abide in his love, his truth, and his presence. Psalm 27.4, if you want to turn with me there, or it'll be on the screen. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. You know, that, that scripture, it used to kind of trip me up because I'm like, dwell in the house of the Lord. But Solomon had built a temple and used to, to be in God's presence, you had to literally go to this place. They moved the Ark of the Covenant inside the temple that Solomon had built, and you had to go there to be in the presence of God. But how many of you are thinking, well, we don't have to go somewhere to be in God's presence. He is with us at all times, so we can dwell there. We can dwell in his presence, but we have to choose to dwell there. Abiding is not a request, it's a command. And I'm going to show you where it is in John 15, 4 through 5. We have it, we say it in our house, we have a few, there are three non-negotiables. And I really believe this is one of those things that the Lord is just, he's so clear about. He says, John 15, 4 through 5, um, where he's talking about how he is the vine, we are the branches. He's the vine. So all good, perfect things come from him. Not from Amanda, I'm a branch. He's called me to be a branch. He's called you to be a branch and abide. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bear much fruit. For without me, we can do nothing. You know, always in the past when I would read this scripture, I would get so focused on bearing much fruit, bearing much fruit. Amanda's going to bear much fruit. Amanda's going to bear much fruit. If you know me very well, you know I struggle with any activity that I don't feel is bringing me productivity. I, I want to feel productive. I want to be productive. But what I felt like he kept, he's teaching me right now is my job's to abide. As I abide, he brings the fruit. As I abide, he changes me. But if I'm so focused on what I need to change and what I need to do and what I need to be, I'm going to get overwhelmed and I'm going to be stuck there. But as I focus on abiding, it changes things. Warren Wiersbe wrote, 
We are only branches. We repeatedly feel our weaknesses and look to the Lord for strength and help. I struggle with that. I feel my weakness and I'm not a fan. It's overwhelming. It's frustrating. Today, I feel weakness. I have had, uh, I pulled something in my back this last week, and I'm not kidding. You can ask my husband. I have done everything known to me, like all I know to do to try to be better. But it's, it's funny because I feel myself even more saying, God, I need your help today. It's a gift. I may not like it. He didn't cause it. But I can choose to see it as a gift. We get to choose how we see it. And I choose, we get to choose, and I hope choose to abide. Jesus doesn't call, call us to do it all, to be everything or to go through life in our own strength. He is calling us to be a branch and abide. It's not something that we check off our to-do list. Oh, I, I abided today. <laughs> I did it. No. It's a constant daily discipline of I choose to abide. With my head and my heart, I choose to abide. Where are you abiding? Are you tooling and spinning? I'm going to be honest. I've been tooling and spinning lately. Tooling and spinning. Abiding doesn't result in instant growth. It leads to slow, steady growth. How many of you, I don't know if you're like me, I am so impatient. Don't sign me up for slow. Like, give me the quick. And we are in a culture where everything is like, it took longer than five minutes, excuse me, you know. But that is, that's what abiding. When we abide, slow, steady growth, but it's God that transforms us. You know, I kept hearing this term, or th- these three words that just kept coming to me over and over again, and Seed, time, harvest. Seed, I just kept hearing that over and over again. Seed, time, harvest. But I felt like he just kept saying, as we abide, there will be a time for seed. There will be a time where we're in this time of waiting. And then there will be a time for harvest. And a lot of times we'll look to the person next to us and why do they get to experience this? Maybe they're in their moment of harvest. And that's what you're witnessing but we're on this constant cycle of seed time harvest, seed in everything. Oh, I made it. Our marriage is great. Well, guess what? Tomorrow you may be in a moment of seed where you're having to plant another seed. Time of waiting and harvest. It's a constant cycle. Ecclesiastes 5 1, uh, 5 1, 3, 3 1. Did I say it? I think it's 3 1. Uh, 3 1, that there's a time and a season for everything. That entire chapter is a beautiful chapter, by the way. Um, Obviously, all things in the Word are good, but I'm just saying, Ecclesiastes 3, it's a good book to read. But Galatians 6, 9, if we don't give up in due season, we shall reap a harvest. Seed, time, harvest. If you're waiting and you're in this span of time, you tried to plant the seed. I don't know about you, but I've found myself in moments of, God, I planted and I planted and I planted. I'm over it. Where's the harvest? You're waiting because it takes time. Time and your harvest will come. That was for somebody today because that was literally something I felt led to add yesterday. Abiding means we cannot do anything worthwhile without him. Apart from him, 
we can do nothing. Nothing really worthwhile. I, I'm so bad about leaning into my own ability to get it done. Because I'll get it done. You give me something, I'll get it done. But apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing really worthwhile. And I'm going to end up stressed out, worn out, done, frustrated. My kids know. I'll get silent and really like got the eyes that they're like, oh, geez, you better run and find something good to do that's helpful because mama is done. Seriously, but it comes back to where are you abiding? Because I find myself in that. Where am I abiding? I'm abiding in all I've done, all I've done, and all I don't deserve and do deserve. And we look at our life and we say, I don't deserve this. I do deserve this. I we are blessed. And maybe you look and you say, Well, you know what? Your back may be hurting, but I just got this news from the doctor. Your back may be hurting, but you know what? My marriage is falling apart. I'm so sorry. We serve a God, though, that is so big. If you will keep abiding, you will see fruit like you could not produce on your own. So number one. See, I didn't even gotten my points. I've only, but I've only got two, so it's okay. When we abide, it should affect our actions. You could say it another way. When we abide with in him, it helps us walk like him. We'll never walk just like Jesus did when he was on this earth without sin, without fault. With, I mean, I don't know how he did it. I mean, obviously, because he's Jesus. But when we abide, we will reflect him. We're never going to be perfect till we get to heaven. That can't be the goal, but abiding is. We can abide. 1 John 2, 6, He who says he abides in him ought also himself to walk just as he walked. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-15, The love of Christ compels us that we may no longer live to and for ourselves. Maybe you're in here and you say, I've been living to and for myself. I've been abiding in the comforts of this world and the things of this world. I want to encourage you. I've chased things of this world. And I'm sure you could talk to anybody that has. I know some people's stories in here. You will keep tooling and spinning and round and round. I don't do round and round rides, but you end up with your head spinning Why? Because you're trying to abide in the things of this world that will not make you feel better. They will not comfort you. They will not help you know who you are better. Only abiding in him, the one that created you, will help you know who you are. Will help you be who you're called to be. Will help you feel fulfilled when you feel empty. Only he can do that as we abide in him. This action while we abide isn't about earning. It's about effort. Earning is an attitude, and I struggle with this personally. My name means worthy of love, and I have struggled since I was little with trying to earn. Trying to earn my parents' love, and I have great parents that love me. Never really did anything that made me feel like I had to earn it, but I've always struggled with that. Trying to earn teacher's approval, trying to earn God's approval. And he's already approved. There's multiple scriptures. If you want to, you need to know some scriptures. I will show you where he's been showing me. He has approved you. He has appointed you. You don't have to earn anything. 
I really felt like there's someone in here that you're pitching a tent in a valley he hasn't called you to stay in. Abiding isn't always about staying in the same spot. Naomi, she left where she was. Her husband had taken her there because of the famine, but she had to leave. And what happened? What happened when she left? I'm going to tell you in just a minute. She had to leave and go back to Judah. That's what she had felt led to do. And God, God blessed her for that. There's a lady named Clarissa Barton, known as Clara, one of the most honored women in American history. Some of you may know in here, she is the woman that founded the American Red Cross in 1881 at age 59. I don't know how old each of you are, but if you've ever said that God is done, I've served my time, there's not a time. Until you get to heaven, he's not done with any of us. But she founded the American Red Cross in 1881 at age 59 and led it for the next 23 years. She risked her life bringing supplies and support to soldiers in the field during the Civil War. She earned the nickname, she was known as a hero and earned the nickname, the angel on the battlefield. You know, something I found interesting about her story is that Clara, during this time when she founded the American Red Cross, she couldn't even vote. But she didn't let what she couldn't do keep her from doing what she could. Some of us in here are letting what we can't do keep us from doing what we can. You're so focused, and I'm, I'm telling you, I am literally speaking on something today that the Lord has been talking to me about. I can get so focused on what I can't do, I'm not focused on what I can. We have to choose to shift and allow the Lord to show us what can we do. Ruth chose to abide physically, which changed her future. She gave action, effort. Didn't try to earn anything. She got in that field and she picked up faithfully doing something super mundane. And as I mentioned before, she played a part in the lineage of Jesus. She was the great-grandmother to David, which we all know the man after, you know, was known as the man after God's own heart. I found this interesting, though. Some biblical historians believe, I can't show you in the words, just a suspicion, that Orpah, this, you know, the sister-in-law that, um, that was Naomi's, also her daughter-in-law, um, that she actually played a part in the lineage of Goliath, which I find interesting. And it's a powerful thought. That if we will choose to obey and abide where he calls us, where he tells us to go, it changes not only our future, our kids' futures. Those, the generations, maybe you don't have kids today, but the generations after you. There is power in where we choose to abide. There is power in that. So maybe God's calling you to take action. But number two, when we abide, it should affect our attitude. Or you could say it this way, that when we abide, it helps us act more like him. As I said before, we're not going to be him. We're not going to be just like him. We won't do it perfectly, but that we would act more like him. Winston Churchill said, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Our attitude deeply affects our actions. It deeply affects our actions. I'm going to share with you, show you a little video. We made this little jingle in our house. I call it a little jingle. Um, our 12-year-old, she hates it. 
<laughs> it's funny, as my kids get older, those little things that make them want to hide. I did, I'll just share a little story with you. I've only told a couple of my, a few of my friends, but a little while back, we were in Old Navy. I don't dance. Mama can't dance. Not at all. But this old song came on, and it was just one of those that makes you feel like you can dance. And I started dancing in the corner with my boys, and Hadley started going, Mom, please stop. Please stop. I could, she wasn't laughing either. I laughed. Didn't think those kind of things would bring me joy, but it kind of does. But I'm going to show you a video. We made jokes to our kids telling them we were going to put it on YouTube. Gabriel and I were going to sing it and put it on YouTube for other parents. But we're going to let our three-year-old sing it for you today. to our dog Sage asking her if she wants to do it with her but if you didn't understand that she said attitude attitude I need to change my attitude we started singing it one day I was doing school with the girl with the kids and it was specifically to my older one which is why she didn't like the song I said attitude attitude you need to change your attitude well, our three-year-old took it and put, I need to change my attitude, which if you know her at all, you know that's pretty accurate for her. She does often need to change her attitude. But I found this song to often play in my own head because I have a tendency to have a really terrible attitude. I feel deserving of things. I feel deserving to feel better. I want my back to feel better. Lord, I've done all the stretches. I've taken the ibuprofen, I've gone to the chiropractor, I should feel better. And I get a bad attitude about it instead of choosing to see the good that's going on in my life. I was reminded this last week, a sweet friend of ours where we moved um, in McAllister, she is fighting a very hard battle with cancer right now. And her attitude is amazing. Um, not just on Facebook. It's not one of those. I, I know we can look at highlight rolls and I mean, it's, it's often deceiving, but in real life, you go to her, and it was a nice little kick in my booty. Um, how we can get bad attitudes about things that, and, and abide in a place that it doesn't help us move forward. And I don't know about you, maybe you feel like, well, you know what, I've got, I've got that heart that I've got a justified reason to abide in a bad attitude or abide in bitterness or abide in my anger. But that is not going to help us. It's not going to help you to move forward and to be who he desires for you to be. Ruth 1.20. Ruth 1.20. Turn there. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered, for the Lord... For the Almighty has made me very bitter. How many of you know sometimes we can think the Lord Almighty has made us bitter? He didn't make us bitter. I mean, obviously, she was walking through, I can't even imagine the grief and the heartache of losing her husband and her two sons. That's, that's some hard stuff. And maybe you say, you know what, I've got my own hard stuff. 
maybe you could relate to what Naomi said. You kind of want to change your name, kind of change a lot of things because you could just call you bitter today. You could call you frustrated. You've, you've been allowing that to be the place you abide. 1 John 3.20 reminds us that God is bigger than our hearts and he knows everything. We see a few things and he sees it all. I think it's because he knew as humans it would be easy to follow those feelings. But our feelings is our flesh leading us. Not faith, not the Lord. There are feelings and as Gabriel shared last week, I said Pastor Gabe in the first service, and it's just weird. I mean, he's my pastor too, my favorite pastor of all times, but you don't, like, in short conversation, I just feel weird calling him Gabe. Keep calling him Gabe. I just feel weird. So Jeremiah 17, 9, Gabriel read it last week. Our hearts, they're deceitful. Our biting requires our faith in God regardless of how we may feel. We can wake up, and you know, I know that video at the beginning as moms or whoever, whatever you do, whether you're a, a teenager, whether you're, you know, a grown man, doesn't matter. We can wake up in the day and say, you know what, I don't feel like, you know, I, some days I just make it, I'm like, I don't feel like momming today. <laughs> but our feelings, they're, they're deceiving. They're, they're not to lead us. Galatians 5, 16 through 17, but I say walk. And live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, of human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. Now, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so, what, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. Galatians 5.22, about the fruits of the Spirit. When we are led by the Spirit, we will bear the fruits of the Spirit. But once again, this is not when I'm focused on bearing those fruits. It's when I'm focused on abiding. Those things will come. Galatians 5.25 talks about us living in the Spirit and being controlled in the Spirit. Just wrapped up a semester of school and um, the pastor at our chapel, our last chapel, he shared a quote and, oh, it was just so good. I wanted to share it with you guys. Bill Johnson said this. We need to be more convinced of the beauty of tomorrow than the difficulty of today. I don't know about you, but I can get pretty fixed on the difficulty of today instead of the beauty of tomorrow. It's easy to do. But hard times and tribulations, they'll quickly push us to self-pity. We will always experience hard, but we don't have to be controlled by it. John 16, reminds us to take heart. For he has overcome. We often focus on the love story with Ruth and Boaz, but it's interesting. I want to point out in Ruth 2 8 through 12, 
Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field and don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. See which field they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. She fell face down, bowed to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor with you, so that you notice me, although I am a foreigner? Boaz answered her, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and mother in your native land and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. As I was studying this, I found it so interesting that there was protection and there was provision because she abided where she was supposed to be. And often, often we can go and we can say, well, God, I'm obeying. I'm obeying. But there's a seed, there's a time, there's a harvest. Keep abiding. Holy Spirit doesn't keep bad from happening to us, but he does give us the strength we need to get through. Rather than letting our failures or mistakes cause us to hide, we need to choose to abide. I'm going to say that again. I just really feel like that's someone in here today. Rather than letting our failures or mistakes cause us to hide, we need to choose to abide. Stop hiding keep abiding some of you may have heard of Rahab I've grown up in church and she was always referred to as Rahab the prostitute right but Rahab although she was at one time a prostitute Rahab was also the one that helped the Israelites capture Jericho because she hid two spies and then she went on to be the mother of the same Boaz that we're talking about today in the story. But I believe that Rahab came to a place where she had decided, had to decide, am I going to continue to label myself as the prostitute or am I going to move forward and allow God to use me right where I'm at? And he did. He used her. And maybe you're someone today that you've just been busy labeling yourself with what you've done in the past or maybe even what you just did yesterday or the mistakes you've made. God does not see that. And God wants to use you and help you. All you have to do is choose to abide. We serve a God that redeems. He redeemed Rahab and he will redeem you. He redeemed Ruth. Like, that should not have happened. Like she was, she was really, I mean, in that time, she was in a pickle. Her husband had died. Like, this is not good. She needs a husband. But Ruth 4.14 says, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. The same is true for you and me. He has not left us without a redeemer. He is a God that redeems. He is a God that restores. But that attitude is so important. <laughs> what is our attitude? Mindless last week, I'm going to be honest, I did so much whining. I was so over it. <laughs> and I'll do it even without a hurt back sometimes, you know. 
my attitude can be so terrible. But it comes back to assessing where am I abiding? Where am I abiding? And I would challenge you that maybe today you find yourself busy whining. And you got justified reasons. I, you know, we each walk through hard things. I get that. To just keep wanting. But the Lord's like, all he asks of us is to keep abiding and keep fighting. As we abide in him, he will help us. He will do Really, he does the fighting. As, as Aaron had pointed out, I, I thought it was so neat how God works in, and does things between songs and words that are shared because here he talked about the armor of God. And as we abide, he gives us what we need. And it's not about fighting in our own strength. He will show you. He will give you strength to do what you need to do. But we have to assess our heart and ask what is, what's motivating us? What's leading us to do what we're doing? James 3, 14 through 18, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his words are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The same teacher that I was mentioning shared on our last day of chapel, he said to us, he said, if your inner world feels wrong, nothing in your outer, outer world will feel right. If your inner world feels wrong, nothing in your outer world will feel right. And I'm asking you just to take a moment to assess. When you're being moved, when you're being compelled to say something, do something, what is it that's moving you, so to speak? You know, I can be moved to set my husband straight. (laughs) To set him free. We used to make that joke when we were growing up. The truth will set you free to each other, like my siblings and I, which is totally out of context. It's the truth of God's word that sets us free. But anyways, we used it, and we can do that in our own life, whether with our spouse or a friend or a coworker or whatever. Set them free. Set them straight. Someone that criticizes you. Oh, I'm going to show them. I'm going to set them straight. That's not being compelled by him. What is compelling you? What is leading you? Is it bitterness? I've had seasons. I mean, if you've gone to our church anytime or listened to our podcast in the, fa- in the past, I've had my seasons of being, being led, being um, abiding in bitterness. And it gets you nowhere except a nice deep hole that God is so faithful to help you out of. We have to choose to abide in him. We don't have to. We get to choose to abide in him. But it's a command and it's an invitation from him 
to help us, to equip us. The enemy wants us abiding in our hearts, in our struggles, in our frustrations, being motivated in our words and deeds by things not of God. God tells us that all we should do should be done in love. And I, this, this cycle, I'm a super visual person, and um, this cycle, I just felt like it's, it's one of those things. I, I found myself in seasons where I'm like, yes, I'm, 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 I think I'm finally getting it. And then as we all know, like <laughs> as long as we live on this earth, we will never have arrived, achieved, you know, you know, reached the end. But it's just a constant cycle of abiding, which then affects my attitudes, my actions, and I've got to assess what's, what's leading these things. What's leading my attitude? What's leading my actions? It's just a constant cycle, a constant cycle. You know, we have this, this tree in our yard. I mentioned it at our last grow group, ladies grow group, and we have this tree in our yard. And when we first moved in at the first of the year, it was like this since we looked at this house. The tree looked like they had burned it, honestly. I don't know if they did or not. I had someone even ask me about that when they had come to the housewarming, like, what's up with the burned tree in your front yard? I have no idea. But Gabriel was talking about it. He's like, I'm going to cut it down. No, please don't. Please don't. I don't know why. I liked the tree for some reason. I didn't know what I expected to happen. But um, I want to show you a picture of the tree. This is the tree on the left, which was like that since the fall of last year when we first looked at the house. And this is our tree as of this last week. We've done nothing to this tree. Nothing. But I felt like this was an important visual because I feel like the Lord just said today that there's many of you that feel like the tree right here. You feel barren. You feel dead. You feel done. You're just going through the motions. You feel defeated because you feel like you've screwed up more times than you can count. But I felt like he wanted me to encourage you that if you will focus on abiding today, that you can be like the tree over here, bearing fruit, not looking perfect, but living. He doesn't want you just surviving. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Some of you may feel like in here you're in survival mode. You're going through the motions. You're doing all you know to do. But you keep finding yourself right back in the same spot. He desires abundant life. Fruit. Blooming. You know, it's so easy to get focused on, well, my actions are good. Everybody knows I'll, I'll do the good. Or my attitude's okay. Get focused on there or... If you're like me lately, I'll get so focused on how bad my attitude is. And then even though I've got good actions on the outside, my attitude sucks, which God says that he cares about. I'm sorry, my attitude stinks. <laughs> so God says, my kids know. They would have said to you, mom just said a bad word. We don't say that word in our house. Um, <laughs> total side note. Um, <laughs> but we can, God says he cares about the motive. You know, he says that he wants us to be a cheerful giver. And I believe that's in our, not just with money, that that's also in our deeds and everything. Um, he cares about our heart. 
But if we're just focused here and not here, we're going to be overwhelmed. Will you stand to your feet? You know, we have a, yesterday I was asked how it was going with the moving. It's like a, you know, an endless process. And I said, well, if you could, if I could just keep from seeing my garage, it'd be great. Our garage is that place. How many of y'all have that place? There's some piles. It's a little overwhelming. A lot overwhelming, actually. But that's what it's like when we get focused on our own actions and our own attitude instead of just focused on abiding. Because when we focus on abiding in Him, things change. You know, it's like, the, it's like the pain that was once there that it's gone and you didn't even realize it. That's the way it is with Him. That when we choose to abide, we will be transformed. Because He's working. He's working in us. And we have a choice to be lilies that toll and spin up in the air, up in the air. Because I'm going to have all the things of this world that says going to make me feel better. And I'm going to do all the things that, that my friends say will make me feel better. You're going to keep tolling, spinning, and spinning until we choose to abide. Until we choose to obey. I really feel like there's even someone in here that the Lord's been telling you to do something. And you're just not obeying. There's no shame. We've all done it. Still struggle with doing it at times, but you'll keep tooling and spinning, feeling confused, feeling overwhelmed. There's some of you in here that you're like Naomi and you're bitter. You'll keep tooling and you'll keep spinning. You may feel justified in your bitterness, but you'll keep tooling and spinning. Those people that hurt you, that did you wrong, you're not hurting them. I know we've all heard it, but you'll keep tooling and spinning. You're the flower spinning in the air, not them. Abide in Him. Not in that. Not in, not in the frustration. Not in the bitterness. Trying to figure out who you are. You'll keep tooling and spinning as long as you keep running. Even the good things in this world. They don't even have to be like really bad things in this world. But if it's anything apart from Him, you'll keep tooling and spinning. It's amazing. God makes it so simple, even though I know life feels so hard. But He makes it so simple. He just says, abide. Abide in me. Abide. Keep abiding, keep obeying, keep fighting. He's got you. God, I just thank you and I praise you for who you are. That you just desire for your children to abide. Help us not waste our time with tooling and spinning tooling and spinning and hurt hearts. God, you see the hurting hearts in here. But that we will abide in you and allow you to heal and make whole.
God, you know, even people that are, they, they feel you moving in their hearts right now. They know where they're tooling and spinning. But God, I pray, Lord, that you help us just to assess, to daily assess what's motivating us, what's leading us, what's compelling us. May we be compelled by you and your love. God, because if you can forgive at the awful things that were done to you, we can sure forgive. We can sure release and let go. I pray, Lord, that you help your sons and daughters to keep abiding, keep obeying, and keep fighting. That we just seek you and trust that all other things will be added, will be taken care of. In Jesus' name.